Ryder and Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. And welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. It is a beautiful Sunday here on Long Island. And uh, uh, I could say there's no place I'd rather be, but that would be a lie. But uh, it's a very nice day out today. I have a giant glass of half-and-half Wawa, half-and-half lemonade iced tea that uh, I purchased a bunch of last uh, last weekend going down to Philadelphia, uh, old stomping grounds, Northeast Philadelphia. Absolutely love going down there. Love, uh, love my two on five people down there. Uh, great group of people. Um, it was a lot of fun and it's always great going to Wawa. I love Wawa. If you if you read my book, um, I thank Wawa in the, in the back of it and my thank yous. And I mentioned it a few times and those people who know me know that uh, I can't get enough of Wawa. And I used to wish that New York would get a Wawa, but, uh, based on how things are going here the last few years, the harsh reality is New York does not deserve a Wawa. Um, and you never know with the way things are going here, uh, with the, uh, the idiots in charge. Uh, I may be in a state at some point that has Wawa's, so you never know. Uh, big article in the Post today about uh, several hundred thousand people that are leaving New York, and uh, I can think of two reasons why. But anyway, that's not why you tuned in. So uh, this is episode 38, and I'd like to thank everybody for their feedback on episode 37, my chat with Mike Cornell. Uh, I've said it a bunch of times. Mike was an absolute great guest. I love chatting with him. I loved uh, getting down to the nuts and bolts of his career. Uh, I had a blast. And um, from what you people are telling me, you enjoyed it too. And that makes me very happy. So um, if you're new to the show and this is episode 38, you would think there are 37 other episodes. There's actually probably 45 separate episodes uh, there are some two-parters in there. There's a three-parter. And then don't ask me why. I did two or three episodes where I didn't number them. I, I don't really know why. But um, please, if, uh, if you're here for the first time, uh, welcome aboard. Thank you for giving me a chance to entertain you. And uh, please go back and check out the archives. And if you're back again, you rule. Thank you. I appreciate you coming back. Thanks very much. So, um whether you're a returning listener or you're a new listener, please do me a favor. If you could hit that subscribe button on uh, the platform you're listening to, uh, and I know different platforms have different things, whether it's a like or if you could rate and review the show, whatever you're able to do on your preferred platform, can you please do that for me? Uh, I believe it, it will help uh, 
give the show maybe uh, i think it helps the show appear in more searches i don't really know for sure i always say i want to look into it and i guess the reality is i'm just not ever going to see what happens with the more ratings and reviews that i get uh the more likes whatever it is but i know that if you subscribe to the show and you like the show you rate the show review the show uh it definitely will help me out and now if you're on social media of course as i ask you every week uh, give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, I have two Twitter accounts. I have my personal Twitter at Joe underscore Lozito and at Kali Sinbin pod. That is the account for the show. Uh, nothing really earth shattering on either one of those. If you're one of those people like myself that really hate the fucking politics and uh, the 2016ers filling up your timeline with bullshit uh, then, uh, I think I'm a pretty good follow, mostly sports, maybe some entertainment every now and then I take shots at some of the stupid politicians affecting my life on a personal level, but I don't ever force my views on people like so many people do. Uh, everyone is so self-important now. And like I said, a lot of times it is those damn 2016ers. You won't get any of that on my Twitter. Uh, so check out at Joe underscore Lizito and at Kali Sinbin pod on Twitter. Give me a follow. I'll follow you back for sure. Uh, if you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast, uh, throw a like on there. Similar content to the Kali Sinbin pod Twitter account. All Islander Enforcer stuff, Islander Enforcer birthdays, uh, fight pictures. And uh, recently, and recently, I came across some old pictures of myself from the 90s. Uh, with different guys, different fighters that I uh, I took. So let me just clear something up right now. Um, my hair in these pictures, yes, it does look like a mushroom. Uh, looks like a muffin for sure. Uh, the hair was actually a mullet, and uh, I would say I my uh, inspiration was Joe Elliott of Def Leppard, although mine never looked as good as his. And what I would do when I would go to the hockey games was I would pull it back in a ponytail because not that I was going to look professional ever, but I felt like I should pull it back. Maybe it looked a little more professional. Obviously, judging by the photos, uh, it did not, but I thought it would look a little more professional if I pulled my hair back. And now what happens is I just left it that way. Uh, I would always try to take pictures with the guys. And, uh, I felt like, you know, I'm pretty self-deprecating and, uh, I get a good chuckle about them. So I figured everyone else would. And so far the responses have been very funny. So, uh, just, just so everyone knows, um, yes, it looks like a mushroom. Yes. It looks like a muffin, but there is actually hair back there. It's a mullet and it's pulled back in a ponytail. And it's funny that I'm defending my mushroom head by saying, no, no, there's a mullet back there. Like, like that makes it any better because it really doesn't. But um, at the time I was, it was pretty awesome. And, uh, my personal spin on the mullet was actually having my side shaved. So it was sort of like a mullet slash mohawk. Um, and I would do that a lot of the time. So uh, I know a lot of these pictures have that, but if you want to see goofy pictures of me with some really tough players, uh, you definitely want to like the Facebook page or the Twitter, uh, Twitter account. Or Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. So like I said, the the um, Instagram and the Facebook page and the Collison Bin Pod Twitter account, basically the same sort of uh, footage goes on there, photos, 
uh, anecdotes, birthdays, stuff like that. And like I said, I found plenty of these pictures of me with these guys. So if you want to see me with stupid hair, uh, definitely you want to, you want to start following me because I found a bunch of them and, uh, the response so far has been pretty hilarious. So just wanted to clear that up though, uh, about uh, my hairstyle and also the shirts. I think most of the pictures I'm wearing the same two, uh, blue shirts. I think those were the only two non t-shirts that I had at the time. I also had one more collared shirt that I wore with my all-purpose suit. I had one suit, uh, weddings, funerals, everything else you need a suit for. It was the all-purpose suit. I had one collared shirt, and I think I had two bluish, denimish type shirts. I don't think they were actually denim. I think they just looked that way. And I would wear those to the game because, again, um, T-shirts and jerseys were frowned upon in the press box. So uh, so I think most of the pictures I'm wearing those same two shirts. So uh, it looks like I only own two shirts. And again, it just adds to the jocularity of the photos. So uh, have fun with those, okay? So as you know, if you are a repeat listener, I do have merchandise available. Merchandise website is teespring.com slash store slash Coliseum hyphen Chronicles hyphen merch. Or you can scroll to the bottom of this show uh, on the platform you're listening to, and there'll be a link that brings you right to the merchandise page. And as you know, if you're if you've listened the last few weeks, what I have started to do is offer discounts to the listeners. They are listener exclusive discounts, and um, I've done this now for the last three or four weeks. And for the last three or four weeks, I have come up with a discount code on the fly. Because while I do a decent amount of prep for this show, the one thing I never do is come up with a discount code prior to recording. So today, the discount code is going to be Haley, H-A-L-E-Y. And I will tell you why the discount code is Haley in a few minutes. But that will be the discount code for the week, Haley. That will be good for one week starting today, which I'm recording on Sunday, but let's say it's good starting Monday. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you can listen to this Sunday, but if you're not a subscriber, it will be available Monday. So let's say the code Haley is good for one week starting Monday, November 16th, good for 20% off anything in the store. Uh, I know some people have taken advantage of the discount over the last few weeks, and I thank you very much. And when you see the merchandise, this is legit merchandise. It's made on some good quality uh, stock. There's lots of things in there, t-shirts, hoodies, um, leggings, uh, socks, phone cases, masks, totes, flags, towels, anything that you might possibly need. You know, the holidays are coming up and, um, you know, I, you know who would like my logo are kids because it's a cartoon logo and I bet the kids would get a kick out of it. So why not buy your children some Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise? They may not even know who I am. They may not even know anything about the show, but they'll love the cartoon. And the reason why they'll love the cartoon is because the guy who drew it is amazing. His name is Joe Marisich. He's a local Long Island artist. Dude is super talented, unbelievably talented. He can do all kinds of art. And the good news for you He's available for hire. So check out Joe Marisich on Twitter at GraphicsJoker, G-R-A-F-I-X-J-O-K-E-R, or go to the website loudegg.com. Take a look at some of Joe's artwork. Like I said, he's not just a tune guy. He can do all kinds of art. He, Jesus, he uh, 
he posted a, a, I don't know if it's a drawing or a painting. I'm going to say it's a drawing, but again, I'm not sure. Could have been a painting of Billy Joel the other day. Unbelievable. If I even, I mean, I guess I remotely like Billy Joel. I think if you live on the island, you have to like him a little bit. I'm, I'm not crazy about him like so many other people are, but I can't deny the guy has some pretty good songs. I don't like him enough to ever get a, a picture of him, but if you like Billy Joel, uh, I don't know if he sold it yet, but definitely check out Joe's uh, Twitter feed because the picture that... Uh, he did of Billy Joel is fucking amazing. So definitely check that out. And uh, like I said, if you have anything that you want drawn up, definitely give Joe a holler. I'm sure a lot of his stuff, I mean, talk about Christmas coming up. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would be floored uh, with a gift that stemmed from the creative mind of Joe Marisich. Definitely consider it. Also, you want to get in shape? Well, the Emperor Cuomo now has... Uh, said that gyms have to close by 10 p.m. because, as we all know, COVID is at its worst at 10.01. So um, if you want to get in shape and you're on Long Island or you're in the boroughs and you want to go to the premier fitness center, Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. Belmore Kickboxing and MMA is Long Island's premier mixed martial arts gym. They are open seven days a week. Like I said, get there before 10. COVID at 10.01. COVID at 10.01 is, is, oh, boy, be careful. Uh, they're open seven days a week. They have men's, women's, and kids' classes. Private lessons are also available. Uh, pro fighters, amateur fighters, and Hammeneggers like uh, myself uh, train there, have trained there, and will train there in the future. Pro fighters like John Volante, Gregor Gillespie, Andre Harrison, Chris Algieri, Adam Kaunachki, just to name a few, train there. The gym is located at 2551 Merrick Road in Belmore. BelmoreKickboxingMMA.com. The phone number is 516-679-5997. Ask for Keith Trimble. Like Joe Marisich, I have the utmost respect for Keith. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, tremendous human being. Uh, absolutely solid man. Uh, honored to call him a friend. And actually, to be honest with you, he is the best in the business. So definitely give them a call. Ask for Keith. Tell Keith that you heard about the gym on the show and you will get one free class. And honestly, that's all it will take. I guarantee you, you'll join Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. Train where the champions train. Now, as I'm fond of saying, a few more things before we get started here today. A couple of more shows you might be interested in if you enjoy my show. The guy who started it all. The enforcer-based podcasting OG, Darren from Saskatoon. Host of the Fourth Line Voice podcast, Darren's latest episode, I, I haven't listened to it yet. I know it came out today. Um, he, I think, goes on a little bit of a rant. I think he's talking about people's reaction to when the fights get real, which I'm anxious to listen to. Darren always has these discussions with people on Twitter, and uh, I don't think they get actually heated, but some might think that, uh, let's call them disagreements. And uh, they're always fun for me because I always uh, tend to stay away from that stuff. But um, Darren's feed is usually pretty funny because he's usually um, he's usually having a disagreement with someone. He's usually defending uh, the boys who did the job or particular fights or whatever. And, you know, social media brings out the idiots. And, um, you know, I tend to try to swat them away or ignore them. Uh, Darren engages them and it's usually pretty funny stuff. So I think he might talk about that today. Also, um, Chris Graff, former WHL tough guy, tough as nails. He talks about his top five toughest opponents. So you definitely want to check that out. 
Um, if you want to go back a few episodes in Darren's catalog, uh, he did have a, uh, retro episode from two years ago with myself. I had a lot of fun doing that. We spoke for about two hours. Um, I would definitely go back and listen to it. I mean, I would go back and listen to all his episodes. Obviously, I'm partial to the one that I'm on. Uh, you know, I think I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good interview, pretty good interviewer. Nothing special, but you know, why not? If you're not sick of me, go back and listen. Pretty good episode. Um, and he's got a ton of good shit on there too. Uh, way better than the one I was on, but, uh, definitely check out his archives also. And if you have watched the hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it was on the fourth line voice channel. I think he's well over 2,200 fights on there now. So chances are you've watched one of the fights he's uploaded on there. I'm on there probably every day watching a couple, maybe more. It's easy to go down that rabbit hole. Now, a guy who I have not touched base with in a few weeks is uh, Bobby Longgrass. He is the host of the Bucket Drop podcast, which is currently on hiatus. It's only on hiatus as far as I know for a couple more weeks, maybe a month and a half. He did say he was coming back in 2021. I hope he keeps his word because he had some really good episodes, uh, 50 to be exact. I was on his show a few times. Uh, Bobby's a good dude. Definitely uh, check out his archives before he comes back. And if he doesn't come back, I'm going to give him a world of shit for it. But uh, definitely uh, check out the Bucket Drop podcast hosted by Bobby Longgrass before season two debuts in 2021. Additionally, the Five for Fighting podcast with Alec Olin Salen. Alec has been battling COVID. I believe he is on the mend. And uh, I think if everything progresses, like I think the what he sent out on Twitter, hopefully he'll be recording a new episode this week. Uh, he's been real busy as of late, uh, moving. I don't know if he bought a house, but he definitely moved. We all know how much of a pain in the ass that is. Then he got sick. Uh, I think he had to travel for a wedding. So he's been uh, he's been very busy the last couple of months. But uh, I think if everything goes well this weekend, I think it should. I think he's recovering nicely. I think he'll have a new episode out pretty quickly. Um, if you're on Facebook, Alec is the grandmaster of two pages. One is the Enforcer Appreciation page. Uh, probably well over 13,000 people by now. And um, lots of enforcers on there, former enforcers. Uh, you always get a few idiots on there, but for the most part, pretty good talk. What you what you will get, and what I have been noticing as of late, there is a lot of people who are very biased towards their favorite players and favorite teams. There's some objectivity, but I don't know. It just seems like lately there's not a lot of it, which is cool with me. I think it. I you know what I, I admit, I try to be as objective as possible. If you ask me about a player, if you ask me about a fight, but in general, if I'm, if I'm in a goofy mood, I don't even really care. I'll just be as, I'll be less objective as anybody else. But, um, there's definitely a few people on there that I enjoy reading their posts because they're definitely not objective at all. And some people get really mad at it, which makes me laugh. Like, uh, Hey, whatever, man, you just see it through your team's glasses and it is what it is, but just have fun with it. Don't get mad at social media. Jesus, there's enough of that going on, but just have fun with the, with the page. Also, he, um, recently started a QSPHL slash LNAH Jersey and equipment page. That is the famous Quebec senior league, the fight league, uh, some really fucking bad dudes came through that league. I know it's still going on. It's, it's probably a shell of what it once was. And just seeing the jerseys, there's a lot of colorful jerseys and fuck, there are some names that went through that league. And, um, 
definitely uh definitely check that out too i know uh alec recently i guess it was last night was talking about how he sold off probably about 65 percent of his collection and man i can relate to that you know back in the day i probably had 50 or 60 game jerseys i had over 600 sticks and then you know what real life comes up and kicks you right in the mouth and um you know it's good to have that stuff but uh, you know sometimes you got to get rid of it you got to sell it and um you know i know for for us personally my wife got uh, t-boned and the guy totaled our car and uh we needed a car thankfully she was okay um uh, you know she got some burns from the airbag this years ago back when we were in philadelphia but uh we needed a new car we had no money and uh, i had to get rid of some of that stuff and it's weird I, I never wanted to part with any of it and then once i started parting it i just felt like the collection was incomplete and i had a I just unloaded a lot of it. We needed it, you know, we needed to uh to get a car, you know, various time, maybe need to get groceries or whatever it was, but uh, that was a long time ago and I'm trying to slowly rebuild the collection now. Um back then it was anything goes, any fighter, any enforcer. I could never ever do that again. So I've kind of limited it to uh, Islander organizational guys similar to the show. So if you have any uh, game used equipment used by a player that has any association with the Islanders you're looking to get rid of, please let me know if I need it. Maybe we could work something out. So like I said, definitely check out Alex two pages on Facebook. Um, yesterday was a good day for me. Um, unfortunately my oldest son had to work, but my youngest son, my wife and myself went to the movies. We went to the movies, probably the first time we've been to a movie in six or seven months. And it was, it was so good. It was so good to get out. It was so good to walk into the theater and smell the popcorn. You know, it was great actually seeing people working, seeing someone working in the box office, seeing people working the concessions and the ticket takers. And you know what? It was awesome. It was awesome to see. And I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, as someone who works in the entertainment industry, um, obviously I work live events. These are movies. And, uh, but you know what? We all make our living. And it was great to see. Um, the emperor, he's probably going to try to shut us down again. Um, you know, who knows? I think he's having a super double secret meeting with some of the governors from the other States close by, but you know, who knows we, the movie theater we went to was in a mall and there were hundreds of people in the mall yesterday. And you know what? Everyone was wearing a mask. Everyone was social distancing. Everyone was being careful. Uh, I think most people have the message now. Yes, I know you're always going to see the videos of people without their masks on and the people not social distancing. And yes, it's always going to be the nuts on the left showing the people on the right and the nuts on the right showing the people on the left without their masks and not social distancing. But let's be honest, I think now after six or seven months, everyone fucking gets it. I hate wearing a mask, but I do it. I fucking hate social distancing, but I do it. I think most of us have a functioning brain. We know what we have to do. Most people I'd like to think, take care of their business. Let's not fucking close this shit down again. Just let people live their lives. Everyone's being careful. We don't need fucking babysitters. You know, it's just unbelievable. This guy here, this, this guy in Albany and his little buddy in uh, New York city, they're really going to force me out of this state. It's really become an unpleasant place to be. I'm not alone. Like I said, I think the Post had an article today. Over 300,000 people have fled New York City and the surrounding areas. And, you know, people are leaving here left and right. And if you want to know why, look to Gracie Mansion and look to the moron up in Albany. They are the two reasons why people are leaving. 
all people needed was an excuse. They're they're leaving for greener pastures. And these two guys, uh, why am I critical of them? Well, the biggest thing is they're holding my job hostage. Uh, I have been out of work since May. I can't go back to work. I don't know when I'm going back to work. And it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Two men are controlling my livelihood and holding me hostage. And uh, they may force my hand. And I'm not alone. So stay tuned. Who knows? At some point, this show may be brought to you by somewhere outside of New York State. You never know. Thank you to those two assholes. But anyway, the movie we saw yesterday was Unhinged with Russell Crowe. Pretty crazy movie. I mean, not the best movie, but damn it. You know what? It was great to get out. Almost two hours. Um, and Unhinged is a perfect name for a movie in 2020 because, boy, oh, boy, how many people out there are really unhinged? Holy fuck. But uh, I would definitely say if the movies are open in your area and you want to get out and just see a movie, take your mind off things, go see it. It was pretty good. And especially if you're a dude and you got a girlfriend, you got a fiance, you got a wife, and you kind of like to be there when they get scared, like jump scared. It's not like a horror movie jump scared, but there's a lot of times in the movie where uh, where Andrea kind of jumped. And uh, you always kind of feel like, all right, that's pretty cool. You know, like it's just the whole thing. Although I'm sure this is offending some people that, you know, why couldn't I be jump scared? And she saved me, but, you know, people are idiots. But, you know, it was a nice day out. A nice day out with Andrea. Nice day out with Dom. Uh, I wish Joey was off, but he had to work. And, um, you know, it was it was fun. It was a nice little distraction. Great to get out, that's for sure. Uh, on the Islander front, so the Islander reverse retro jersey had, has been leaked. I'm pretty sure that's official. Uh, people are up in arms about it. Well, the hipsters are up in arms about it because they didn't use the Fisherman logo. And thanks to Lula Marillo, um, there's no way Lou's ever going to use that logo. That It's one of the many reasons why I love him. Old school to the core. Knows that logo is ridiculous. Uh, the hipsters from Brooklyn like it. The people who wear their wool hats in the summer, they like it. Uh, the new age nerds like it, but it's just not appealing to a lot to a, a good portion of the fan base. And I know the Islanders have been pushing it. You know, the front office, not the front office people, the the uh, social media people, and um, you know, MSG uh, Twitter feed pushes it all the time. And you know what? It's just and it's it's just ugly. And you know what? I think a lot of people. A lot of people think that people don't like it because the team sucked. And maybe a lot of people don't like it because when they wore it, the team sucked and it was during the Millbury era. I don't know. Personally, it was never anything that needed to be done. For me personally, if they won a Stanley Cup or multiple Stanley Cups wearing that thing, I'd still hate it. I hate it not because of the record on the ice. It's just stupid. It's abhorrent and it never needed to happen. And I understand why non-islander fans may like it it's different if you're not an islander fan and you like the fisherman logo more power to you you know what i'm saying it doesn't uh it doesn't register with you but for those of us that grew up with the team and know exactly what the traditional logo means the fisherman logo is garbage hot garbage dumpster file dumpster fire level garbage hopefully one day it will go away it will be put to bed forever fuck the fisherman logo sorry if you don't like it I hate it. It's garbage. Don't use it. And on the subject of the reverse retro jerseys, you know what? How fucking brutal is it that Carolina and Colorado are going to use the Whalers and Nordiques logos respectively on their reverse retro jerseys? It's like, hey, people in Hartford, people in Quebec City, 
yeah, we took your team. Your team abandoned you and moved here. But we'll wear your jerseys as another slap in the face to you people. Uh, how fucking brutal is that? And, uh, you know, I saw yesterday, I saw the Whalers one. And I, listen, I love the Whalers. I love everything about the Whalers. I, lo- I loved going to games in the mall. And I hate the fact that they left for North Carolina. Um, and I loathe the fact that the Canes used the Whaler logo in the colors. It, to me, it's not an homage. It's a slap in the face. And you know what? I would imagine that many people in Connecticut and Whaler Nation feels the same way. It's fucking bullshit. And the same thing with the Avalanche, especially the fact that Quebec sucked for so many years. They, they stockpiled those first-round picks that they hit on almost all of them. And just as they're getting good, they go to Colorado and win a cup. So how do you think the people in Quebec feel that now they're going to see their team, the team that abandoned the city, that left and won a cup, they won at least one cup. Did they win more than one? Well, they won one right after they moved, and now they're going to wear some sort of version of the Nordiques jersey. I, again, I think it's fucking horrible. I think it's a slap in the face to the fan bases. And um, again, I am I am totally, totally against it. I think it's fucking bullshit. And the sad thing is I love the Whalers jersey, so I love seeing them. And uh, I actually saw a little bit, uh, you know, like a, a tease of what the Avalanche jersey is going to be. I love the color. It's like a burgundy. And they had the uh, Fleur de Lis. And I think they're going to do something with the old Nordiques logo. So I do love the Whalers logo. I love the Canes Whalers jersey. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to love the Avalanche's Nord, uh, Nordiques style jersey. But I would never, ever buy them if i was going to buy a jersey it would be a retro whalers jersey or a retro nordiques jersey um not that they need me to buy anything i'm sure people are going to eat it up but again i'm a traditionalist and i think it's fucking bullshit that they're doing that to the fans of hartford and of quebec uh so i had mentioned that uh the code for the week for the 20 percent discount on my merchandise is haley and that's because former islander michael haley Signed a one-year, two-way contract this week with the Ottawa Senators. So, thankfully, he is no longer a Ranger. Um, you know, it's probably for the best. Although I'm sure he had, a, I'm sure he was fine here. I'm sure he had a good time here. As much as I hate the Rangers, you know, working for the Garden for five or six years. Um, you know, I know, I know they do everything first class there for the most part. Uh, obviously, if you listen to the Aaron Asham episodes and the Richie Pilon episodes, you know that's not necessarily the case all the time. Uh, but my experience there was a positive one. And, um, I'm sure Haley's experience with the Rangers was probably positive too. I'm happy that he's no longer there. I hope he spends most of the time, if not the entire season in Ottawa. Uh, it's a two way deal. So he, I would imagine he'll probably see some time in Belleville, but who knows, you know, um, I don't know if, I don't know how good Ottawa is going to be this year. I know they were shitty last year. Um, and a guy like Haley, he provides a spark. He's a heart and soul type player. And I know the new age geeks probably are like, why'd they sign this guy? Why'd they do that? You know, because, you know, they, they just look at the numbers. They don't understand, you know, uh, what a guy means in the room. They don't understand the heart and soul aspect of it. They don't understand leadership. Uh, they only understand uh, graphs and pencils and paper and protractors and all the other analytics nonsense. So they, they will never understand it. But um, congratulations to Michael Haley on signing with Ottawa. And by the way, for all you idiots who think, oh, all he does is fight, 
This is for the 2020-21 season. There's not a single player in the NHL right now that is signed to a team only because they can fight. Trust me, if that was the case, they would be gone. So as some people are fond of saying, give your head a shake. They're there for more than one reason. But kudos to Michael Haley. Use code Haley this week for 20% off in the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box Merchandise Store. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, I'll be able to see Michael at some point this year. I'd love to reconnect with him. I probably haven't spoken to him in several years. And, yes, if you know Michael Haley, please tell him I want him on the show. Finally, the Matt Martin watch. Again, no news on Matt Martin. But, again, no news is good news. I'm sure he's resigning. It's just a question of when they're going to announce it. My feeling is they're not announcing anything until Barzal signs or until they realize that I don't know what's going to happen with Barzal, and then they're going to have to announce these guys are signed. But uh, no news on Matt Martin. No news is good news. I'm sure he'll be back. Matt, please, if you're listening, come back to the Islanders. I know you will, and everyone will be happy. So today's episode... It's another in the seasons series. So, so far I've done a few of these episodes. Uh, We've done an episode on Ken Baumgartner. And why do I keep saying we? It's me. This is a one-man operation. I have done episodes on Kenny Baumgartner, Brett Lindros, Matt Martin, and Eric Cairns. So this would be the fifth in my seasons series on the big boy, Ross Johnston. And uh, if you're an Islander fan right now, I hope you appreciate what Ross brings to the table. If you don't, open your eyes. Again, like I said about Michael Haley, Ross Johnston does more than fight. But if you can't see that, then I'm not going to be able to convince you. But today's episode will deal with Ross Johnston's 2016-17 season with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. This was a fun season to watch. This was um, <laughs> He fought some pretty tough dudes this year. And... Uh, either started or continued a few rivalries, a couple of which seem like they might be kind of heated. But uh, again, Ross, if you're listening, I would kill to have you on the show at some point. Uh, I understand that um, people within the organization will not view my show as something, uh, let's say, as some of the beat writers have their own podcast, and I'm sure that they are more willing to have players go on a show like that. I get it, and uh, as long as you keep me in mind at some point, I'd love to have you on the show. I'd love to just chat with you, man, catch up, meet you, but, uh, you know, like I said, at some point, I would love to have the big boy on the show. So anyway, we're going to talk about Ross Johnson. Ross Johnston, big boy, six foot five. always see him uh, weighing in around 235, 240, depending on which website you look at. Um, Big dude, man. Really big fucking boy. And um, big kid from Charlottetown, PEI. You know they make him tough in PEI for sure. Uh, Ross was undrafted. And I believe his first taste of the Islander organization was in the summer of 2014, where Johnston participated in an Islanders rookie camp as an undrafted invitee. The Islanders obviously liked what they saw. They signed him on March 31st, 2015 to a three-year entry-level deal. So um, that was the start of it, that that uh, rookie camp, and then signing him to the deal in March of 2015. That was the beginning of Ross Johnston's career with the Islanders. 
In 2015-16, Mr. Johnston spent most of the season in Bridgeport. He did play 13 games in the East Coast League with the Missouri Mavericks. On April 10th, 2016, Ross Johnston played his first NHL game at home against the Flyers. His game broke down as follows. He had 22 shifts, 16 minutes and 17 seconds of ice time. He saw time both on the power play. He saw a minute and 22 seconds on the power play and on the penalty kill. So 25 seconds of time on the penalty kill. He had four penalty minutes. So if he had four, you know he didn't get five for fighting. He had four penalty minutes, two for high sticking, and two for slashing. That night, he played on a line with Brock Nelson and Steve Bernier. The game was a season finale for the Islanders. Ross was returned to Bridgeport after the game. But one of the things I love about the sport is when a GM rewards a guy with an NHL game. It's something I've harped on in the past, and and I I will always bring it up. Uh, Pascal Morency, I thought, deserved the game for uh, coming to the aid of Kyle Oposo. You've heard me say this a million times um, in the preseason. Uh, Dion Phaneuf blindsided Oposo, knocked him out. I'm sure, you know, it, it was it was a bad hit. And uh, Pascal came off the bench and tried to fight Phaneuf. Phaneuf wanted no part of him. And before people say, why would Phaneuf fight Morency? You know what? You're going to lay a guy out like that. You get challenged to answer the fucking bell. And uh, Pascal didn't think twice, came off the bench that whole season, I really, really wanted Garth to call him up for a game, and he never did. And and um, it's something that sticks in my craw a little bit now. I mean, not it's, it's nothing I really think about unless I think about Pascal. But um, this year, uh, to reward Ross, they gave him a game at the end of the year, and uh, and I love seeing that. And because you know why, what what Ross has done since he's been a pro is work on every aspect of his game. And if you watched Ross a few years ago and you watched him this past season, his skating has improved so much. His footwork has improved. His hands have improved. There's every aspect, even his fighting, has improved so much from the from when he turned pro to now. And this is a guy that, that works his bag off to improve his game. But even with that, there's no guarantee that you're ever going to see another NHL game. So the fact that they called him up for this one game, it, it's just great to see because nothing is guaranteed. I mean, heck, I, I'm living proof that tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. I'm lucky to be here. If you know my story, you know that to be true. I am very lucky to be sitting here talking to you today. Tomorrow is promised to nobody. And Ross Johnson got his first NHL game, and I loved I loved seeing that. And uh, fortunately for Ross and for Islander fans, he's played plenty of NHL games since then. We'll continue to play plenty of NHL games going forward. But at the time, you never know. And it was great to see the Islanders reward him for his hard work that year with this one NHL game. And uh, like I said, he was returned to Bridgeport after the game because the Islanders season was over. And as I said, I think I said it, he played for Missouri played 13 games. He became the first Missouri Maverick to ever play in the NHL. So you know what? You may not think that's a big deal, but I bet you the people that, that worked for the Mavericks, I think they're still around. I don't, I don't know. I think they are, but you know what? For an organization, an East Coast League organization, uh, to have a player uh, jump from their league to the NHL in the same season, that's a pretty big deal. So, uh, so Ross was the first Missouri Maverick to play in the NHL. That season for the Sound Tigers, uh, Ross played 62 games. He had eight goals, seven assists, 15 points. See what happens when you give these guys playing time. 
they can actually put up points. All you got to do is let them play. 15 points, 62 games. Also had 135 penalty minutes and 11 fights. For his career in Bridgeport, uh, the bulk of his Bridgeport numbers came from this season. His career numbers, uh, 141 games, 12 goals, 18 assists, 30 points. So half of his career points in Bridgeport came from this 2016-17 season. Uh, 327 penalty minutes and 21 fights. He ranks 13th all-time in penalty minutes in Bridgeport Sound Tigers history. So Ross's season this year, his first fight actually was in the exhibition season for the Islanders against Liam O'Brien of the Capitals. And um, what happened on this fight, the two are having a nice chat while uh, they're lined up for the faceoff. As soon as the puck is dropped, so are the gloves. They square off and come together. Ross lands a right, and then the two exchange a series of rights. But because they're, they're, they're so tight, they're in so tight, think Donald Brashear style tight. It's hard to say if any of the shots are truly landing and if any are doing damage. They do create a little separation, and Johnson lands an overhand right, followed by an uppercut. O'Brien goes down with the combination of a Johnston right and the strength of Johnston's left arm forcing him down. Johnson's a big dude, and similar to when I did the Cairns season episode, something that Johnston does, uh, I don't think he does it as much as Cairns did it, but Cairns, in a lot of his fights, would throw the uh, jersey jabs with his left. And Karen's hands and Johnson's hands, they're pretty big. And even the Jersey Jebs, they're not going to do, they're not necessarily going to do damage, but they're going to stun you. And if they hit you in the right spot, you never know. Um, but they're more than a distraction. And uh, with those lefts, like I said, when Johnston, uh, Johnston kind of threw a right, but also his momentum with the left kind of brought O'Brien down. And, uh, and that was the end of the fight. So that was his lone preseason fight of 2016-17. So we move on to the regular season in Bridgeport. His first fight that year was October 21st, 2016 at Lehigh Valley against the Phantoms and Terrell Goldborn. Uh, they tie up in front of the Phantoms bench. Uh, Ross connects with a right and Goldborn attempts a left that fails. Johnson throws two more rights that don't hit the mark, but he's neutralizing Goldborn for mounting any kind of offense. The officials step in and separate the combatants. They they each get five for fighting, and Johnson gets an additional two for interference. That was round one. Uh, round two happened during the 2018 preseason, while Ross was, of course, with the Islanders and Goldborn was with the Flyers. Uh, just a little bit of a recap on that fight. Uh, bonus information, if you will. Uh, Goldborn, I, listen, give the kid credit. He was game, uh, show, trying to show the Flyers what he can do. Um, you know, Goldborn was definitely game going up against Johnson. He hung in for most of it until the end when Johnston put him down. Um, never again, never really able to mount any sort of offense. Definitely out muscled by the bigger Johnston. But um, like I said, it, it, it's good to see a guy like uh, Goldborn doing what he has to do to impress the brass. So um, good on him. Uh, two fights with Johnston. Like I said, there are certain guys in the NHL. There's a guy in Washington that's never too keen on fighting Ross Johnston. And um, here's a guy, Terrell Goldborn, that fought him twice. So um, maybe that says a little bit about each of them. Next fight for the boss, November 4th, 2016, at the aforementioned mall, the Hartford Civic Center. The Whalers aren't there anymore, but the Wolfpack is. And this was potentially, and I say potentially because it didn't materialize, but potentially the Clash of the Titans 
as Ross Johnson squares off with Dylan McElrath, the undertaker. Uh, Dylan McElrath, his Western League stuff is kind of legendary. And um, he's a he's a bad dude too. So I'm sure a lot of people went to that game hoping to see Ross and Dylan McElrath square off. They tie up in the Wolfpack zone. Johnson throws the first five punches. Nothing of of consequence lands. With both guys holding the other with their lefts, they're both looking to set up big rights. Johnson throws two more rights, but with everyone wearing visors, it's so hard to do damage. Uh, you know, the running theme with with the like uh, this whole episode is going to be you're, you're you're trying to to knock the guy out. You're trying to do some damage on the guy, and it's not like the old days where guys some guys were were not wearing helmets and some guys were wearing helmets without a visor. Um, you know, Matt Martin is one of the few guys that, that, uh, don't wear a visor that doesn't have, he doesn't have to wear a visor. He's played long enough, but these younger guys, they all have to wear visors and it really becomes a war, a war to not break your hands, you know, not cut up your hands on these visors. And, and like I said, these guys are throwing punches, but it's so hard to do damage. Uh, Macarette throws a weak right at Johnson. Johnson throws a couple more rights and uh, his own helmet actually pops off. Macarette throws two rights. The officials jump in. For the majority of this fight, and, and it's on YouTube, you can watch it, Macarette didn't seem too enthused about fighting. Now, I'm not saying he didn't want to fight Johnson. Macarette has a, a pretty impressive resume, and he's tough as fuck. So it's not that he didn't want to fight. It's not that he didn't want to fight Johnson or doesn't want to fight Johnson. I don't know. Uh, and again, when I, do, when I did the other episodes, um, it's from like personal video, like the games that are on TV, the pregame shows, things like that, interviews. I have a lot more to go on with this season. I'm really just going on the fights that are, you know, they're all available to me on YouTube, on hockeyfights.com, but I don't have the extra stuff. So I don't know if McElrath maybe had a hand injury or, or something, but he didn't really seem too interested in engaging. He did what he had to do, but he wasn't as aggressive as I've seen him in other fights. And again, I am not saying he did not want to fight Johnson because I'm sure McElrath has no problem fighting anybody. Uh, would have been nice though to see if he was a little more aggressive, and maybe the the two of them, you know, would have went at it. You know, would have opened up. You never know. Uh, like I said, it would have been a win for the fans, and maybe for Ross or Dylan, one or the other. But uh, I'm pretty sure there were probably some disappointed fans leaving there that day that they didn't see the two behemoths uh, land some good punches. But good on both of them for doing the job. <laughs> Fucking balls the size of bowling balls these guys that do this job you got to be tough to go up against dylan mackerat or ross johnston and if you're listening to this show i know you agree with me uh ross's next fight february 19th 2016 again the lehigh valley phantoms this time it's at home against samuel moran johnston and moran come together deep in the corner in the flyers end oh phantoms phantoms end sorry as they emerge toward the phantoms goalie the gloves are dropped the two trade a series of rights, but have each other at arm's length, so nothing major is landing. They're now in the opposite corner and continue to throw rights at each other. Moran lands a good one, but it lands square on Johnston's lid. Johnston throws a huge right that luckily for Moran misses. It was a kill shot, and he and it missed, and Moran is very lucky it missed. I think Johnston will tell you that. Well, maybe Johnston won't tell you he's lucky he missed. Moran will definitely tell you he's lucky that it missed. Uh, Moran lands a left at Johnson's helmet, then grabs Johnson and wrestles him to the ice. Boy, oh boy, if Johnson landed that punch, it would have been a different fight. As it was, it, it really wasn't much. But uh, And definitely the end wasn't much as Moran wrestled him to the ice. But uh, oh, if that one shot would have landed, oh boy. 
December 16th, 2016. The scene is the, I believe they call it the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Ross Johnston versus Tyler Randell. The boys drop the gloves at one blue line and keep it going past the other blue line. They grab on and Johnston lands two quick rights, but they land on Randell's helmet. Johnston lands another one while Randell rips Johnston's helmet off. Randell's ready to open up a bit more now and throws two rights, and Johnston answers with a right of his own. Randell throws five straight rights, but none land, and they fall to the ice. So uh, the thing with the camera at Providence is a lot of the fights, well, I guess the game, not just the fights. I, I've just only seen the fights. Uh, they kind of shoot from a little bit higher than a lot of the arenas. So you can't really tell all the time uh, if any shots are landing, and, and I'll discuss that later in another one of Ross's fights. But uh, Randell's a tough guy. Johnson's a tough guy. And, uh, you know, the boys are just having some fun. Now we move on to twenty calendar year of 2017, January 7, 2017, back to the Hartford Civic Center. Takes on Johnston, takes on the veteran Tanner Glass. A few of these fights now that we're going to talk about, they start with Johnston absolutely just free training guys. Johnston crushes Justin Fontaine along the boards. Tanner Glass steps in to defend his teammate. They tie up and Johnston lands the first two rights. Glass does the smart thing and keep keeps Johnston close. Uh, Glass throws a couple of short rights and tries to get the front of Johnston's jersey over his head, but fails. Johnson throws a right. Glass answers with a few lefts. One lands. Johnson has Glass pinned to the boards, but with Johnson's helmet off, Glass lands a few short left. Lefts. Jesus, what's wrong with me? I might need some of this iced tea lemonade. Johnson throws another right. Then the two. Johnston throws another right. Then the two land right simultaneously, and the officials step in. Let me take a sip here. Please hold. That is good stuff. Thank you, Wawa. Good fight between Ross and the veteran Tanner Glass. Uh, much better fight for the fans than the first one with uh, The Undertaker. Now, we get to the first fight of a trilogy, and this is against Sena Akalazzi. Now, I honestly didn't know, I don't know much about this guy, Akalazzi, but after watching a few of these fights, I did watch some of his other fights. He seems like a guy, and again, I'm only seeing the fights. I don't know what kind of a, I know he's an aggressive player. He seems like a kind of guy I can get behind. I don't know if he's a dirty player, but he seems like a guy, especially the way hockey is nowadays, a guy that I could really root for. As long as he kind of plays a clean, I don't really want to root for a dirty guy, um, but uh he seems like the kind of guy that adds a little spice to the game. So uh, so I'm all for that. So this was January 20th, 2017, at a place I love, the Springfield Civic Center, against Sena Akalazzi. Round one. So as the play's going up, up the ice, off camera, the announcer says Akalazzi attempted to put Johnston in the Bridgeport bench. You know Ross is not going to like that and takes umbrage. And I mean big-time umbrage with that and immediately drops his gloves and hunts down Akalazzi. Akalazzi drops his gloves while the officials are tempted to jump in early. Thankfully, they don't, and Johnson throws three rights to get things going. Akalazzi's helmet comes off in the flurry of rights. Akalazzi gets the big bear hug on Johnson. Smart move. But Johnson still wants to go. With one official ready to jump in, Johnson gets his right loose and throws one more before the cavalry comes in to break them up. They each get five for fighting. Johnston receives an additional two for roughing. Uh, you know, he didn't like it. I, I didn't see it. The ca it was off camera. 
Uh, they never went to a replay. But um, if you're going to try to put the big boy into a bench, he's going to come after you. But, you know, Akalazzi did the right thing. There are some guys, there's guys in the NHL right now. There's a guy in Washington that really isn't too uh, enthused to fight Ross. And this kid, uh, Akalazzi, he fought him. No problem. Round two, February 7th, 2017, the rematch at Bridgeport. Off the faceoff, Johnston is tailing Akalazzi like a giant shadow trying to get him to go. Akalazzi eventually agrees and they drop the gloves. They square off at the Sound Tigers blue line and engage. Johnston is the aggressor as he grabs Akalazzi by the collar, similar to the way Cairns grabs guys, just grabs him by the front of the collar. And I think, you know, I heard Scott Parker uh, talk about this where he said, you know, some guys grab the arm, some guys grab here. He goes, if I grab you by the collar, even if I can't see, and I, I just throw with my right towards where my left is, I know where your head is now. And that seems to be a pretty smart move. If you're not going to tie up the guy's throwing hand, if you grab him by the, the center of the jersey, you're always going to know where that head is. And that's how uh, Ross handled this one. Akalazzi is actually doing a good job holding Johnson at bay, and Ross keeps trying to land a few rights. Johnson throwing several jersey jabs with his left, and Akalazzi throws a right. Johnson pops Akalazzi's helmet off, Johnson throws a huge right that may have glanced Akalazzi, but the momentum from the punch takes Senna down to the ice, and the fight's over. Now, I called this a trilogy. It's because round three happened the following season. Akalazzi was now a member of the Providence Bruins, and this is really where I talk about the camera and where they film in Providence. Um, like I said, round three, Akalazzi's a member of the Providence Bruins. Akalazzi lays a massive hit on Sebastian Ajo. Johnson comes in to exact revenge. First, he gives Akalazzi a major league cross-check to the chest to announce his presence with authority, and then they drop the gloves. Ross is the aggressor the entire fight, throwing several overhand rights, interspersing uppercuts as well. The camera is a distance away, so like I said, it's hard to tell how much damage, if any, is being done. Akalazzi only manages to throw two punches during this part of the fight. And that's the key, this part of the fight. Johnson's final right of this part of the fight. Uh, he throws the final right. Akalazzi does a good job of avoiding the punch, and Johnson's momentum takes him down to the ice. Now, although the Zebras are trying to separate them, the two really aren't interested in stopping, and they continue pawing at each other at, at, while they're down as they get up. They don't want to stop, so much so that the linesman let him go again. So it's still technically round three, but if you want to break it up, maybe it's round three and four. They go again. Ross lands at least a dozen or so jersey jabs with his left. Akalazzi has no time nor opportunity to ever really get set as he's getting hit with a cinder block. And again, the, you know, these are just, you know, short jabs, trying to keep you off balance. You never get an opportunity to set yourself to, to land a big punch. They're effective, especially when they're coming from a monster like Eric Cairns or Ross Johnston. And like I said, Ross is landing at least a dozen or so of these things. One of them actually pops off Akalazzi's lid. Um, and, and while this is happening, while he can't really get set, Akalazzi does have his right cock the whole time. He finally gets to throw one and lands it to Ross's shoulder. Johnson throws a final left jersey jab. That's a setup for two big overhand rights. Both connect, but only to Akalazzi's back, but they do put Akalazzi down. Johnson received a minor for cross-checking. He earned those two minutes for sure with that cross-check. Five for fighting and a misconduct. Misconduct. Akalazzi 
gets a minor for unsportsmanlike conduct, five for fighting, and a misconduct for the fight. So I don't know if they were just uh, if if this like I said they fought three times. I don't know if Ross was just pissed at the way Akalazzi had hit Aho, or if there's something more to this. Maybe it's a rivalry. I think Akalazzi is actually playing overseas now, so I don't know if they're ever actually going to play again. I don't know if Akalazzi could play in the NHL. I honestly don't know. Like I said, he's a guy that I I, I would have been interested in watching while he was here in North America. But uh, he he a he fought uh, Ross three times. Full marks for him for doing that. Ross was not done this day, though. He had another fight with a gentleman named Edward Whitco of, I guess they were, were they the Falcons at this point? Thunderbirds? Maybe Thunderbirds they were this point. Listen, Springfield is always going to be the Indians to me. Sorry about that if that offends you. They're the Indians. Springfield Indians, are they're always going to be the Springfield Indians. They could call themselves whatever they want. They're the Indians. Sorry. Sorry. What did the kids say? Sorry, not sorry. I'm not. They're the Springfield Indians. But anyway, two fights in this game. First, Senna Akalazzi. Second fight, Edward Whitko. Johnson's second fight of the game comes against this guy I've never heard of, Whitko. Uh, and I'm not... I'm not pissing on him. Look, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about this guy other than he had the balls to fight Ross Johnson. Johnson absolutely crushes this guy behind the Springfield net. And to his credit, Whitko gets up and wants revenge. He chases Johnson up the ice, drops his gloves. But as he gets close to Johnson, Johnson turns around quick with his left and his glove on, pops him right in the, right in the mush. Ross drops his glove because he actually never drops his left glove the entire fight, and they grab on. Whitko attempts a right, and then Ross takes over, puts him down with a few rights. They each get five for fighting. Whitko also received an instigator and a misconduct. Johnson gets an additional two for boarding. Again, just like with the cross-check to Akalazzi, he earned those two minutes. He crushed Whitko behind the net. And again, full marks to this kid for fighting Ross. Not an easy task. Even this Ross, who... Uh, what I mean, listen, he's always a tough guy, but the I think even Ross would tell you the way that he fights now, he's better now than he was back then. Still a dangerous dude back then, and Wicko didn't even think twice going back at him. Fast forward to March 2nd, 2017 in Toronto, the bright lights and big city of Toronto. Ross fights a guy with a pretty good reputation that he is well-earned, and that is Pierre-Luc. Le Tourneau Le Blonde. I think it was his first game with the Marlies playing at home against Bridgeport. As the puck is iced in the Toronto end, Johnston gives PLL. He'll further be known as PLL or Le Blonde for this. Four names, way too many to say over and over again. So he'll be PLL or Le Blonde. He gives LeBlanc a little shove, looking to get things going, and naturally LeBlanc obliges, and they drop the gloves and tie up in the corner. Ross throws three short lefts, and then LeBlanc lands a solid overhand right and follows it up with a few short uppercuts. They trade a few, uh, they trade a few rights with LeBlanc landing the best shot, which is another uppercut. Johnson lands a few jersey jabs with his left and literally repositions PLL back against the boards. This is something that uh, when Christoph Oliwa became a regular with the Devils. I remember, I actually remember him fighting Mick and Mick's not a small dude and Mick is strong as fuck. He's strong as hell. Oliwa's a bigger dude and I remember it seemed like at one point Oliwa physically tried to move Mick and I, I think he did. I actually, I don't know if I asked Mick that. I should have. Um, 
And in this fight, uh, Johnson looks like he physically repositions LeBlanc to where he wants him to. And and as soon as I saw that, it reminded me of Oliwa. Young Oliwa would, would do that a lot in his fights. If uh, I don't know, maybe it was easier for him to reposition the guy than to get his his foot uh, footwork moving, easy for me to say, to reposition himself. But Johnston actually moved uh, LeBlanc with just strength. Um, and uh, Johnson throws a short left that's answered with a right from LeBlanc. And that right uh, jars Johnson's helmet, and Ross just finishes the job and rips his own helmet off his head. They exchange a few more rights, and the officials move in to separate them after a long fight. Very entertaining, very long fight. Now, there was a point in this fight, after Ross took his helmet off, that it looked like LeBlanc was nodding at Johnston. Uh, my impression of that was he was telling Johnston to take off his helmet, meaning LeBlanc, take off LeBlanc's helmet. And I think there is just a respect. Uh, both guys respected amongst the enforcers. Uh, both guys, neither one of them, I'm sure, really wants to wear a visor. And, um, you know, I know some people don't really care about code. They don't think there's a code. But I think in an instance like that, I think it was LeBlanc telling Johnson, take my helmet off now, you know, uh, even it up, make it fair. Uh, never really had the opportunity to. Um, I think uh, former Islander, short-term Islander, Big Daddy Bob McGill was on the call, and he, as well as everybody watching in the stands and on television, loved the scrap. Two tough guys, really, really entertaining scrap there between Ross and Pierre-Luc Le Tourneau Le Blonde. March 22nd, 2017, at Albany, Ross Johnston versus Ben Thompson. This was round one of a two-fight series between Ross and Thompson. Ross throws a hit on Thompson as in uh, as the Sound Tiger. Let me start over. Ross throws a hit on Thompson in the Sound Tigers end as the horn sounds to end the first period. It appears that maybe a split second after the horn, Thompson may have taken a shot on Yarrow Halak. Again, it was probably a split second, but a split second counts. Ross did what any player should do if a player shoots on their goalie after the horn. He makes Ben Thompson pay for it. They drop the gloves, and Ross throws four solid rights. The first two appear to land solidly as Thompson is staggering. Thompson gets his bearings and attempts to throw a few of his own, but none reach the bigger Johnston. Thompson attempts to throw a few body shots and another right to Ross's head, but he doesn't land. Johnson attempts five or six rights, but Thompson is doing a great job of tying up the big right hand. They each land a right to the other guy's shoulder, and the stripes step in to separate the boys. Now, I said this is a two-fight series. Round two took place next season on October 17, 2017, while Thompson was still a member of the Devils organization, but the team now resided in Binghamton, New York. Johnston is interested in going and makes his feelings known to Thompson, who obliges, and the two drop their gloves. The fight is basically both guys throwing several rights, trying to land the big one, which Johnston finally does as his final right is the big shot that floors Thompson and ends the fight. And Ben Thompson actually spent this past season with the Islanders organization, played most of the season with the Worcester Railers, 
but he did see some time in Bridgeport. And if you listen to uh, my last episode with Mike Cornell, you know that Mike Cornell has been a Worcester Railer for parts of three seasons. And also, if you go back a few episodes, of course, my chat with Yannick Turcott is when I first introduced the Worcester Railers to you. Not that you didn't know them already, but for the purposes of my show, it was the first mention of the Worcester Railers. And like I said, um, after spending a few seasons in the Devils organization, uh, Thompson was with the Islanders last year. I'd imagine he was in training camp with the team. Maybe him and Ross had a chat about their battles again. Hopefully one day I'll get to chat with Ross about all these, all this stuff. Uh, like I said, hopefully it'll happen and I can ask him about, uh, you know, chatting it up with Ben say, Hey, remember those two scraps we had? Remember that last shot I, I gave you, put you down, but, uh, Thompson didn't back down. Tough guy plays tough, stands up for himself, stands up for his teammates. Good job by him taking on the big boy. Ross's final fight of this season was round two of a trilogy, his second trilogy that we're going to discuss in this episode. And the trilogy is against Josh Brown. This fight took place March 29th, 2017. Again, the scene is the Springfield Civic Center. I don't know if they still have them, but back in the day when they were the Indians, they had awesome hot dogs there. They really did. And I and I pisses me off to this day. There was a bar in the Springfield Civic Center, and they had pictures up of the Indians, and they had this cool picture of Jimmy Roberts, and uh, and Dean Ewan was in the picture on the bench. And uh, if he's listening, he's probably saying, yeah, go figure. I was on the bench. But I don't remember who else was in the picture. I want to say maybe Chris Pryor, but I don't remember. I just remember it was Jimmy Roberts and Dean. And I always wanted to ask them, hey, if you ever get rid of this picture, can you call me? I never did. And now the picture is either, you know, in a trash dump somewhere, disintegrated somewhere, probably in someone's basement, or hopefully hanging up somewhere. If I don't have it, at least someone has it and it's hanging up. I'll always remember that. I'm sure if I make a trip up to Springfield and I go and ask the I don't even know if the bar is still in there. I'm sure if I ask the guy's going to be like, who the fuck are you? What are you talking about? But anyway. March 29th, 2017 at the Springfield Civic Center, round two of the Ross Johnson versus Josh Brown trilogy. If we go back to round one, this round one took place March 23rd, almost a year, a little over a year to the day of round two, March 23rd, 2016. Ross, of course, was a young pup with Bridgeport. Josh Brown was then with the Portland Pirates. In that fight, it started because Ross tossed Brown down like he was his little brother, and Brown took exception. By the way, Josh Brown, big dude. He's maybe, excuse me, he's maybe an inch shorter than Ross, maybe 10 or 15 pounds heavier, but a big dude nonetheless. So the fact that Ross just tossed him aside, pretty impressive. Did Brown didn't like it, naturally, and he took exception, and the two dropped the gloves and start throwing. They both throw a few rights. Neither can reach the other guy, so they both start throwing body punches. They tie up again and each try to throw a short left, but neither does any damage. They both have each other strung out again, looking to land a bomb, but nothing materializes as they start wrestling again. Brown throws a few more body punches. Ross answers with one of his own, and the officials step in. So uh, out of their three fights, probably, um, I don't want to say the worst of the three, the least eventful of the three was round one which sets the stage for round two. Uh, Like I said, 
March of 2017, Springfield Civic Center, Josh Brown, Ross Johnston, round two. Johnson skates across the ice like a heat-seeking missile to hit Brown. The two drop the gloves at the Springfield blue line. Johnson throws a few big lefts when Brown answers with a few lefts of his own. Johnson starts throwing some big rights. Brown ducks on, under one of the rights, and as Johnson lands one to Brown's back, he muscles Brown down to the ice. Very quick but entertaining fight. Again, not not a great description by me, but I, it's the kind of fight you have to really watch. It was quick. It was entertaining. It was better than round one. Um, now, the uh, the feed I watched was the Springfield feed. I think uh, with the AHL, when they broadcast their games, they do it for the home team. If uh, if the home team feed is available, I guess if it's not, they do the road team, uh, road teams feed. This was the home teams feed, the Springfield feed, and the announcer insists that Brown knocked out one of Johnston's teeth. It was hard to tell. It's hard, you know. The ice is white. You know, you're watching boxing, you're watching uh, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, whatever. Uh, the canvas most of the time is not white, and uh, the background is black. You know, the lights are down in the crowd, so a guy knocks a tooth out. You know, um, you see it, or you have a good opportunity to see it. Here, the the ice surface is white. The boards are white. It's hard to see. So I didn't see it. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. But again, something I would love to chat with Ross with about if I ever get the chance. So like I said, the Springfield announcer insists that he, well, he was adamant that he thought he saw a tooth fly out. I don't want to say he insisted that he definitely saw it, but he thinks he saw a tooth. There's one way to find out. Ross, did he knock your tooth out? Hit me up on social media. Let me know. And then one day you can answer it in, in person for me. I'd appreciate it. They each get five for fighting. Johnson received a minor and a misconduct for instigating the fight. I guess that big hit was the uh, the instigator. Again, massive hit. Heat-seeking missile. The big boy crushes Brown. They fight. It's awesome. Everybody wins. Maybe not Brown. Round three. Round three happened this season. Ross Johnson's first fight of the season at Nassau Coliseum, October 12, 2019. Ross Johnson for the Islanders. Brown, Josh Brown for the Florida Panthers. So good on both guys um, being in the NHL. Good for both of them, playing tough, doing their thing in the NHL, making that NHL money. Good for them. Similar to round two, where Johnston sought out Brown and crushed him with a check. He's a man on a mission, literally takes a few strides and absolutely crushes a Florida Panther behind the net. This time it's Noel Achari. Achari voices his displeasure, you know, skates up to Ross. The two push and shove, but if you see the size difference, Achari is all mouth in this one, and Johnson probably doesn't want to go to jail for murdering Achari. So Josh Brown steps in for his teammate. Uh, this is a much more uh, equal matchup. You know, Brown's fought him a couple of times. He's a little bit uh, closer in size to Ross. Achari, for all his chirping, was never going to drop the gloves at Ross. It would be like King King Kong swatting the planes uh, in this fight if, uh, if Achari actually dropped the gloves. Um, Josh Brown steps in. They drop their gloves at the Panthers, Panthers blue line. They square off. Johnston, I think it's the debut of the Johnston Shuffle. I don't recall him doing it before this. I could be wrong, but I think this was the debut of the Johnston Shuffle. Muhammad Ali has nothing on Ross here. Uh, they engage. 
the fight is all Johnson from the start. Johnson throws several rights, including a huge right that gets Brown all turned around. Uh, Brown keeps his feet, though, and continues to fight back, but Ross lands a big shot at the end, the force of which puts Brown down to the ice. That is the trilogy fight for uh, Johnston and Josh Brown. Both good, tough players. Hopefully there's more to come from both of those guys. And that is, well, I guess round two with Josh Brown was the final fight of Johnston's 2016-17 season. You got additional descriptions of a few uh, a few other fights. The last fight, of course, was Johnston's first fight from this past season against Josh Brown, who, like I said, was with the Florida Panthers. So let's recap Ross Johnston's 2016-17 season in Bridgeport. Like I said, 62 games, 15 points, eight of those are goals, 135 penalty minutes, 11 fights. Starts out in the preseason with the Islanders against Liam O'Brien. Uh, Liam O'Brien. O'Brien, what is wrong with me, of the Capitals. Uh, then goes on to fight Terrell Goldborn of Lehigh Valley, Dylan McElrath of Hartford, Samuel Moran of Lehigh Valley, Tyler Randell of Providence, Tanner Glass of Hartford, Sina Akalazzi of Springfield, round two versus Sina Akalazzi of Springfield. Uh, same game, uh, Edward Whitko of Springfield, Pierre-Luc Letourneau LeBlond of the Toronto Marlies, Ben Thompson of Albany and Josh Brown of Springfield. That is Ross Johnson's 2016-17 season with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. So as I mentioned, after uh, Ross played that first NHL game in the 2015-16 season, the last game that year, uh, Johnson spent the entire uh, entire season, the one we just talked about, the 2016-17 season in Bridgeport, didn't see any time in the regular season with the Islanders. <coughs> Excuse me. 2017-18 saw Johnson split the season between the Sound Tigers and the Islanders. But fortunately for Islanders fans, this would be the last that Johnston would see of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers and the American League. On July 9th, 2018, the big boy Ross Johnston signs a four-year $4 million extension that keeps him in the fold for the next couple of years. The last two seasons, Johnston has spent the entire season, both seasons, on the island. I don't see that changing at all. Some have made reference to the fact that maybe Ross is the heir apparent to Matt Martin on the best fourth line in hockey. And I think that makes sense. I think there's some validity to it. But I'm about to say something that will surprise nobody who knows me and nobody who's listening. I don't want Ross Johnston to replace Matt Martin. I want them both on the roster. Call me selfish. I'll accept that. But I'd like for Matt Martin to stay on the fourth line as long as he can. And I'd like to see Ross Johnston on that third line and see them both contribute. I'd love to see those guys play like, 60 games. Well, Martin's going to play as much as he can. I'd love to see Johnston get 60, 70 games in a season. I know that's not going to happen with the way the league is now. And it's a shame because, like I said, this guy's worked his ass off to improve as a player. And I think anyone that has watched him, even if you've never watched him in Bridgeport, if you watched him play from that first game against Philly to his last game this past season, the dude has improved so much. He's work. He really is inspirational. And and you know what? And I don't say that lightly because 
Uh, I know, especially here on Long Island, uh, kids hockey, youth hockey is massive here on Long Island. And, you know, obviously it's easy for the kids to gravitate towards a guy like Barzal or now even like JG Pajot made a big impression in the playoffs. And you have guys like Anders Lee and Nelson and Josh Bailey. And it's easy for, for the kids to gravitate towards players like that. And like I said, especially Barzal, he's a young kid. He's flashy. So I think it's only natural. But you know what? If if you have a kid who is not a superstar type player and, you know, needs to work a little bit harder, I, I don't think there's anyone better to really watch him, have him watch than Ross Johnston because of what the strides he's made from when he first turned pro to this season. I mean, it's nothing but hard work. This guy has every penny that this guy has has earned every check he's cashed with the Islander organization. He's earned it. Always, always a hard worker. Um, I love the guy. In case you haven't noticed, I'm a big Ross Johnston fan. And two things that piss me off. One, like I've said, I don't know, 200 times in this episode, the last name is Johnston. So please, all the NHL people, it's not Johnson. It's Johnston. So call him Johnston, okay? Stop with the Johnson nonsense. Give this guy the respect he deserves. His name is Johnston. Johnston with a T, okay? And also, whenever people talk about the best fighters in the league right now, and I don't know if it's maybe because Ross is here on the island, he's not in a big market, which is funny being that he's in the New York market, but obviously everyone associates the New York market with the Rangers. Um, If he was a Ranger, I bet you everyone would talk about him. But here's the deal. If you want to put Ryan Reeves at number one, I'll accept that. Not that you need me to accept it, but Ryan Reeves has, uh, has I think, made his point number one guy in the league. I have no issue with that. But if you don't have Ross Johnston at number two, I don't know who you have at number two. Maybe Lucic. I hope you don't have Tom Wilson at number two. Um, but uh, if you don't at least have Ross Johnston at number three, and again, I, I think the fans care more about this stuff than the players actually do, but... To me, if you're asking me to rank the fighters right now in the league, sure, I'll put Ryan Reeves at number one. I'll put Ross Johnson at number two. I don't care who's at number three and and past that. I got Matt Martin in my top ten. I don't know where. And it's hard for me to make a top ten because I don't really watch a lot of the other teams. Um, But there's no way that you you can't do a top ten. And maybe I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because here I am telling you I don't watch a lot of the other teams, but I do watch a lot of the other fights. And if you don't have Ross Johnson at number three, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, he's, to me, Ross Johnson is the undisputed number two. And if you want to call Reeves the champ, then there's your number one contender, Ross Johnston. And keep in mind, they played twice this past season. The first time here on the island, Ross challenged Reeves and Reeves – dismissed him. I don't know if it was uh who the fuck are you type thing. I'm not wasting my time with you, whatever. I don't know. I didn't like to see that, to be honest with you, because uh, guys gave Reeves a shot. And I, I think, uh, not that Reeves owed it to Johnston, but uh, the, uh, he should have fought him. You know, Johnston did everything in his power to fight him that night. Reeves didn't fight him. And again, it's not that he didn't want to fight him. Reeves doesn't back down. Um, but I would have liked to seen Reeves dropped the gloves with him, but then that was all rectified. Maybe he was more comfortable fighting at home uh, right off the opening faceoff at the uh, at the second game in Vegas. They went good fight. Um, you know, again, you want to put Reeves number one, so be it. I accept that Ross Johnston, at worst, in my opinion, 
is the number two enforcer in the NHL right now. And uh, it's only a matter of time before he's wearing that belt and before he's wearing that crown. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. It doesn't matter. I'm glad you disagree with me because that means you're interested in the enforcers and it means you have your own opinion. And uh, that's a breath of fresh air nowadays based on the chumps that are writing about the sport, many of them based in Toronto and, um, you know, have no clue what it takes to do this job. So um, I'm going to say that's about it for this uh, episode, speaking about Ross's 2016-17 season in Bridgeport. There, there is one other thing I'd like to tell you before, uh, before I sign off. Um, normally I do one episode a week. I do believe at some point this week, I will be interviewing Matt Caputo. Um, Matt is, I think, I want to say the founder, or if he's not the founder, he's definitely one of the founders of the mustache classic that is taking place this Saturday in Danbury. And, um, I really want to talk to Matt. Uh, I'm really curious about a lot of things. I don't know much about it. Um, Matt was on with uh, William at the Biscuit recently. I listened to that episode. I think he's making the rounds right now on the podcast. So um, I really want to uh, to get Matt on here to uh, tell you all about that. Maybe uh, everyone out there can help support the cause. And like I said, it's this Saturday in Danbury. So um, Matt is uh, one of the few. Pe- well, right now Matt would be the only person that will that has been on the show that has no association to the Islanders in terms of being a member of the organization but uh the cause the mustache classic is uh, goes way beyond hockey so it's actually an honor to bring him on and that will probably hopefully we can record on wednesday and as soon as we record i'm going to upload it right away so it gives people time to uh donate or contribute to the mustache classic like i said this saturday in danbury and after that uh this week i was fortunate enough to do a lengthy interview with graham townsend and um as I think I say it in the interview, and I've said this before, um, as many of the players that I am a fan of and that I've I've come to know, it started with Dean Ewan, and Graham played with Dean in Capital District, and that's when I met Graham, and Graham is a great guy. And I honestly didn't know how long the interview was going to be. I, I think it's pretty much established that any interview I do with a player is going to be at least two hours, even if that's on the short side. And I didn't know how long the interview was going to be with Graham because he didn't fight as much as a lot of the guys that I've had on here. So I had no idea. I knew it was going to be two. And Graham was such an amazing guest. We spoke for four and a half hours, so it's definitely going to be a two-parter. But whether you know a lot about Graham or not, whether you're interested in Graham's story or not, and I, I don't know why you wouldn't be, I'm going to urge you to please listen to the episode because not only do we talk about Graham's career, if you don't know, Graham is a black player born in Jamaica. Well, he's a black person born in Jamaica who went on to play in the NHL, first Jamaican-born player in the NHL. Um, And Graham spoke about a lot of the stuff that's gone on in the NHL the past season or two, a lot of the topics that have happened, a lot of the stuff that's gone on, and he wasn't shy about it. And the reality is, when I had drawn up my questions, I was pretty much going straightforward, career retrospective, like I do with everybody else. And as we went on, I could see Graham was really interested in talking about that. So as I, 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 we did two, two sittings, or actually most of it was recorded in one sitting, but 
uh, when we started recording that second day, I said to him, I said, look, you, you have been unbelievable. I pretty much just give you a question and you run with it. Graham was amazing. And, um, Graham, you know, I'm not really one for causes, especially, especially not on the show and not because I'm not interested in it. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big distractions guy and, uh, you know, stuff that's going on right now. I look for distractions just to, like I said, going to the movies yesterday was a terrific distraction as to what's going on in the real world. And I think people tune into the show to hear about the players, hear about fights and scraps and good stories between teammates and everything. And, and Graham delivered that and then some, but he talked about some, some topics that are really important to him and, and have been in the news uh as far as the culture of hockey that you've read about in the last 12 to 24 months and graham was not shy about talking about it and and you'll hear it he actually initiated most of it and um i thought he was awesome i really did i I mean I, i really it's definitely one of the the my most favorite interviews because of the stuff he touched on because it may not be what you'd expect Graham is an individual. He's a free thinker. Um, he makes up his own mind. And um, I, I think he was amazing. So the reality is, while I've loved all the interviews I've done so far, maybe the next two are going to be the two most important. Uh, like I said, Matt is going to talk about the Mustache Classic, which is going to help, I believe, uh, uh, men's mental health and also cancer. I believe that's the, that's what where the money goes to. And uh, like I said, with Graham, he talks about a lot of social issues right now, and I think he was just amazing. I mean, honestly, he he was he was really good. I mean, really good. He was in uh, all the guests I've had on have been amazing. So I'm not tr- I'm not shortchanging anybody, but because Graham kind of went outside the realm of of the the rink, um, I think it's pretty important that everybody listens to it. And uh, I almost feel guilty that I don't have a bigger audience. I, I told Graham, I said, I have, I don't know how many people listen. I, I don't really know how to look at the analytics. I get the chartable numbers every day. I don't really know what I'm looking at or in terms of downloads and everything. But um, as Darren is fond of saying, and I agree with him 100%, I'll put my interviews up against anybody. Darren says the same thing about his interviews. And I say the same thing about mine. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I don't have the platform as, uh, don't have as big a platform as some of the bigger shows, because I honestly think that, uh, Graham was an amazing guest and I will be recommending Graham to, uh, to all the, the people that I know that do shows, because I think his message really needs to get out there. And, um, you know, I hope that you listen and I hope that you recommend it to people and, uh, it'd be great if, uh, someone larger than my show picks up on it um because i think graham had a lot to say and i think it's very important that everybody hears his message so with that being said um i hope you enjoyed this walk down the ross johnston 2016-17 bridgeport season lane um it was a lot of fun for me what I mean, how great is this? I get to sit back and watch fights and then talk to you about them. I mean, really, if I could somehow figure out a way to get paid for this and uh, get medical benefits and a pension from this, boy, that would be the dream. But uh, but I had a blast watching the stuff. I had a blast talking to you about it. I'm so grateful that you chose to listen to this episode. I'm so grateful that you chose to uh, let me be a part of your life for an hour and a half. Thank you very much. Please mention the show to your friends. 
tell everybody who you want to uh, listen to some good quality content with, uh, well, I don't want to say no politics because I did go on a little bit of a rant. But uh, but anyway, what I'm doing now is rambling. Most of all, I want to say just thank you to everybody who's listening. You people are awesome. I hope you enjoy the show. And just uh, keep an eye out on the social media for the future episodes. And if you don't do that, you know where to be every Monday. And that's on the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box Podcast. Everybody. Have a great week and be safe.